Thomas Coffee Metal Podcast, episode 117. Greetings. Welcome to the Comics Coffee Metal Podcast. I am your host, Don Cardenas, and I hope you are having or going to have a fantastic week. Wasn't quite sure exactly what to say right there because I'm dropping this episode on a Monday, which seems to be a trend lately happening. But uh, yeah, so I want to cover all my bases just in case. Um, this episode is kind of a mini episode, so to speak. I have a couple Q&As with some great creators that are having some uh, really cool Kickstarters happen right now. So I wanted to make sure I get those out to everybody while there's still time to go back them. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Evie and the Housings 2 and the campaign for that. And, you know, and touch on a little bit of the uh, Kickstarter brouhaha that kind of uh, took over Twitter for a little bit uh, the end of last week. And uh, just a few more things. And uh, yeah, so just a quick little, you know, smaller episode to start the week and uh, get some stuff done. So, all right. Let's get to our first Q&A. Our first guest for the Q&A portion is returning guest and bud John Westhoff, the uh, man behind Part-Time Comics. They are currently running a Kickstarter for the finale of their series Depowered, a action and new issue of Bulletproof Chicken, and a new one-shot of CPS Child Possession Services. Child Possession Services is about essentially about a social worker for possessed children. It's a really cool uh, take on a, on a horror book uh, full of tension and, and really great art. Bulletproof Chicken. I mean, it's it's the best cheesy 80s action movie you ever saw starring a giant chicken. <laughs> how, could, how, could you, how could you turn away from that? And then Deep Howard, um, you know, a, kind of a postmodern superhero story. Uh, mystery all kind of wrapped into one uh, I did color the first two issues of the power so don't hold that against the Kickstarter it is really really a good book uh, but yeah all three of these series are within one Kickstarter campaign and actually what's really cool if you dig down into the tiers you can go and buy just like a whole bunch more of part-time comics output within the other tiers of the campaign it's it's kind of like a one-stop shop there's that there's something for everybody here drumsticks of doom uh, the awesome book, basically what Sabbath became the biggest band in the world instead of the Beatles, that uh, John does with Dan Doherty. Um, a few of their awesome zines on the stack, Up and Let's Go, uh, Simpson Zine, just tons of great stuff. So, you know, John's a bud. He's an awesome creator, and uh, I'm glad to have him on the show to talk about these. And uh, so let's get to the questions. All right, John, thanks for taking some time and answering these questions. Uh, first up, this is not the first time you've bundled different series into one big Kickstarter goal. Uh, do you kind of see this as your method for part-time comics going forward, or is that just what seems right for the moment? Thank you, Don, for having me on for this quick Q&A on CCM, OMG, LOL, <laughs> WGCI number one in these streets. Of course. Uh, yes, we have done this before. We have bundled books together before, and it's really just a matter of circumstances. In the case of this one, it happens to have a theme that all these creators, all these creations, were created by my co-creator, Bob Gar Ornelas. Uh, so it was kind of a fitting tribute to him here. Oh, cool. And, you know, they all just lined up being made at the same time. You know, mm -hmm. you know, as somebody who's helped and fulfilled campaigns in the past, it's a logistical nightmare oh, yeah. to have to ship them out. But it's one of the best ways to engage 
mm-hmm. our fan base. So, of course, we want to do crowdfunders, but we also don't want to ship them 10 times a year. So it benefits everybody, right? This this saves our, our backers uh, funds from having to back multiple times and pay for shipping. This saves us logistically on the back end. And, you know, it's a long-term project, so... No, it's a cool idea. It's a cool idea. You know, these are long-term goals. If it if it doesn't work out financially right away, you know, we want these books in print and out there into the world. Yeah. We'll, we'll recoup some of the costs on the back end selling the books, but really, uh, yeah, we will continue to do this if it lines up. If the books are ready to go at the same time and we don't keep backers waiting, uh, why not ship them together? I, I think it's a really smart move, especially for someone such as yourself who's doing so many different books. I think it's just kind of like a... Just like a, just a really good idea. I think it's very smart, and especially that you're offering all the other books available at the same time. So it's, it kind of becomes just like a massive round of ordering and, and all that. So it's it, it's a very very smart way of doing things. All right, my second question is: with Depowered ending with this Kickstarter, is there a plan for more stories of that universe? I am a little biased. I did work on the first two issues, so I'm a little uh, curious to see if we'll be seeing any more of Dax and the gang. Yes, Depowered is coming to an end. This is the final issue, a three-issue miniseries. Um, there is always room. I think it was Rick Remender who said, you know, we're all whores or we're all sellouts, <laughs> basically. That <laughs> was a, a summation of his quote. So, you know, if there's a demand for this book, we'll get more stories out there. There's definitely okay. more stories for Dax and the gang. Um, but this is this is the culmination of this first series, and uh, we'll see we'll see what happens. All right, all right. Well, there you go. Um, I, I had again. I think people will really dig this book once they give it a shot and check it out. And I, I hope you, you all get the opportunity to do that. Uh, my next question: With books uh, that vary as tonally as CPS and Bulletproof Chicken and Depowered, as the writer, is it difficult to keep up, uh, keep the influences of each of these other books from bleeding into the other? Because you have to be like kind of in a different mindset for each kind of genre and story and all that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's hard to like keep keep writer John organized and focused on what he's supposed to be in the voices of those characters and, and all that from getting kind of mixed up. I think it definitely is. I, I mean, at this point, um, having written a few dozen issues of comics, I'm definitely I feel like I'm having kind of a voice. Mm-hmm. So I do sometimes need to remind myself to kind of step outside that and and say. Um, and stay on topic, so to speak. <laughs> you know, as you, you might know with the, the questions on uh, CCM, sometimes it's hard. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to get back on the topic, you know? <laughs> and the same thing with writing. I, I feel like I, I I definitely, I have a voice that I kind of write in and I need to step away from that depending on, you know, what the book is. Uh, and these ones, you know, they were written, even though they're all coming out at the same time, you know, they, they've been they're spaced out, you know, these, you know, these books take a while to produce. So I do try to not jump back and forth in writing, but you know, if I get a good idea for a scene or something for a book, I'll definitely write it down. I'll, 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 you know, plot it out or sometimes even do a full scene and then plug it in later. Oh, okay. Um, and that's something else I have to do. I have to go back through the whole script and kind of, you know, just, just touch that up a little bit to make sure it doesn't feel like, you know, it's written, you know, three months apart, six months apart. (laughs) But, uh, you know, that's some of the fun of doing multiple books at once. Um, you get ideas for the other, you bounce back and forth. And, uh, you know, hopefully for the readers, it, it, it seems to work. And tonally, they, they, they kind of keep their tone. But, you know, with me writing all of them, they're all going to kind of have that 
that uh, whatever that Westhoff voice <laughs> is behind it. That 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 Westhoff flavor. Um, oh, okay, awesome. Yeah, it it's uh, definitely interesting that you know even though yeah you did some separately like you do things kind of piecemeal here and there, and I totally get that. You're a busy guy. Uh, you know, I work the same way myself a lot. So yeah, totally, totally awesome. Uh, my fourth question. Since we've known each other for over a decade now, uh, I know your biggest comic influence of all time is most likely Mike Mignola. Uh, I'd, I'd be a pretty terrible person if I didn't know that about you by now. Um, we are, uh, what are some other creators that you would cite as having an influence on your work? Because I think, uh, as happy as I am to talk about Mike Mignola all the time, uh, you know, I'm sure you have other creators that you, you're drawn to and you feel kind of, you know, creep into your style, into your work. Yes. Thanks for reminding everybody, uh, that we are, <laughs> that we are old. We've known each other for, for too long, a quarter of our lives here. Uh, oh God, I believe, uh, not to put your age out there or anything like oh, that. I'm old. Uh, one of my biggest those. influences is Mike Mignola. I didn't find him into my later reading life. I guess as a lot of people did, you know, with Hellboy's popularity. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, my biggest influence is Sam Keith. Um, I, I think I've mentioned on your show a few times, uh, or, or maybe I haven't. Um, but yeah, the Max is one yeah, of the biggest yeah. influences for me. Dax from Depowered, even his name is, is was a, originally a riff, you know, an <laughs> homage, you know, D A X X, you know, Max is M A X X. How did I get that? Um, so a little bit of a, a subtle influence or, or, or homage there. But Sam Keith, is, he's just in, in so much uh, of my work. Mm-hmm. You know, say what you want about his writing and his other series outside of the Max, but he definitely has a style, too. He's very, you know, he's not so much about the punching and the kicking in superhero books or, um, you know, whatever else in, in, in the style he's in. He's, he's very much about mm-hmm. these odd moments with the characters and how they interact with each other. And uh, that's kind of how I feel like, uh, whether that's intentional or not, I think that's just... You know, his style is just so much ingrained into the back of my mind that I definitely think it comes out in, in whatever I do. How foolish of me to not remember that Sam Keith was such a huge influence on you as well. I mean, I remember that very distinctly. I'm pretty sure that, like, I think you were the first or second person to ever commission me for art. And I'm pretty sure I sent you a Max sketch card on top of that because of your fandom for that. And uh, it's interesting to hear you say, you know, to be reminded of the sam keith influence because now it makes total it makes total sense man and i i totally see it the the kind of the uh offbeat nature of things sometimes that you seem to be able to like craft really well and, and kind of bring to to your stories and all that yeah it makes complete complete and utter sense now so uh thanks for reminding me i'm a bad friend for not remembering that right off the top of my head and for sharing it so uh in uh response to that uh, is my fifth question and my final question uh, you've written a pretty wide berth of different universes and way things are in those places um, but what now you're being forced to live in the universe of one of your books which one do you think you would have the happiest life in forced to live in a universe was one of my books um, I mean well obviously you know your show here, uh, you know, Comics, Coffee, Metal, I, I, I definitely am enjoying the universe that I'm creating uh, with uh, with Dan Doherty and my other co-creators in Drumsticks of Doom. 
I love heavy metal. I think I'd like the idea of heavy metal, you know, being popular and being being everywhere. But um, there are some subtle hints in some of my other books that some of these universes might might actually align with each other. So oh. uh, I think that might be the one I'd pick uh, because there are some some other series that go in there. So I could, you know, not just have to be with one uh, one group of characters. <laughs> but that would definitely be the one. Obviously. Uh, I've put a lot of thought into the, the the lore and the mythos or whatever of, of that, what that world would look like. So that one feels the most lived in in my head, so that one feels the most realistic. So I'll say Drumsticks of Doom and, and obviously on theme with your show here. And thanks thanks again you know, for having me on for a quick chat. I know you're overbooked as always, so thanks for squeezing me in. Anytime, John. I'm always happy to you know spread the word of part-time comics. Uh, I, you know, Again, we've, you're the, probably one of the oldest people not oldest the person i've known the longest in uh the the comics uh industry game and the comic making game so uh i'm i'm always happy to do whatever i can to spread the word of all that also i do enjoy your work i do enjoy part-time comics books and uh i think a lot of people would too so everyone you you heard them uh let's go to kickstarter and i'll make sure there's a link in the show notes below check out their kickstarter for these three awesome series and again there's like tons of tiers for other part-time comic books so if any of those books you know aren't 100 your cup of tea i'm i am certain you'll find something within the part-time comics blog that will uh tickle your fancy and get you excited to read so go check it out john thank you All right, next up, I have the writer Steve Urena, the mastermind behind such crazy books as Slowpokes, Zombie Date Night, and uh, Ex Machina. And they are here with a really, really cool take on a superhero book, and that is Foulmouth, the superhero who gets her powers from cursing. It's a really, really cool, fun-looking Kickstarter. Uh, as of the posting of this podcast, they will have three days left to fund uh they have until Friday, September 22nd at 9.05 a.m. Central Time. Uh, so if you're listening to this and it's not that time yet, go check it out. They're so close to funding right now as of recording. I'm really hoping that uh, by the time this posts, they've already hit that goal and they're moving on the stretch goals. It just looks like a really, really, really fun take on superheroes, a really fun book. And, you know, who doesn't love, you know, any way uh, to cursing in some fun way in a, in a book so i'm excited to uh give some questions to steven and see what his responses are so uh, let's get right to it um first up i'll keep with the theme steven uh what the fuck is foul mouth what the fuck is foul mouth foul mouth tells the story of a demon possessed superhero who gets her powers from cursing <laughs> so the more creative her cursing gets the more animated it becomes on the page. So if she calls somebody a shit sandwich, the shit sandwich <laughs> will appear and help her fight. So that <laughs> is what the fuck foul mouth is. Uh, I'm sold. I am already well sold on this book. Uh, that That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, th this book, again, looks like a shitload of fun. Uh, was artist Sarah Davidson part of the conceptual process or was it something, this something you kind of pitched, pitched to her because... Uh, the book looks great, and I really love this art style combined with 
the nature and tone of the book. I think it fits really, really well. So, uh, yeah, how did, how did uh, Sarah come on board and what was kind of her involvement with everything? I found Sarah Davidson through Comics Experience, which mm-hmm. is my comic school run by Andy Schmidt and Paul Aller. Yeah. I've gone through Comics Experience for all my comics, and the process for me is that they find me artists that are looking for work, and I send in the script, and Andy and Paul find the similar style that I need for whatever comic I'm writing. So Sarah Davidson was found that way, and she did an incredible job on Found mm-hmm. Mouth. I That's sent cool. her the script, she did her thing, and... Here we are. Sarah Davidson really brought this comic to life, and I can't thank her enough for her awesome work on this. And um, I hope we get to do more foul mouth issues in the future because Sarah Davidson is so just so talented. Yeah, yeah, it, it really seems uh, like it just all meshes together so well. So I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully more foul mouth coming out and reading this full first issue because everything you sent me it looks just fun and just you know just like a how, you can't like read this book and not have a big old smile on your face uh, just from the absurdity of some of the stuff but also because it's just really well done so uh, I'm really looking forward to that and hopefully you guys get to do some more um, my next question is so from doing books such as you know slow pokes to zombie date night and now foul mouth you seem to be drawn to mixing in different genres with some irreverent humor is there a genre you haven't tackled that you just fucking wait too. so i love humor i love horror um and i do intend to stay in those genres for as long as i can but i really want to tackle something more serious Mm -hmm. i think i've been known for being (laughs) such a goofball in my comic career um and you know the the brutal nature of the horror comics that i've i've created yeah but something serious is definitely in my mind and i definitely want to get it out because i want to be known as a good writer no matter where mm-hmm. the genre takes me so hopefully i get to do something more serious in the future so keep an eye out for that <laughs> i'd also love to do my own anime maybe oh. or a musical at some point um i think any genre is a challenge and mm-hmm. i want to give it my all so hopefully i'll be able to uh to shock and surprise in the in the next few comics well that sounds really cool you know i firmly believe that horror and comedy are the two hardest things to really nail and get good at because there's so many different sensibilities to those types of things kind of have something that with a lot of people i think it's uh it's it's a much harder target to hit so i think with your experience with doing both of those and doing them well i think these you know when you finally do tackle something that's not that uh it's gonna be just that much better and kick that much more ass and, and all that so uh, I have complete faith that the next non-horror comedy project you take on, uh, people are definitely going to have to watch out for. So, all right. My next question is, uh, it seems kind of like an obvious one, but maybe not. I don't know. Uh, is coming up with swear words as uh, much fun as coming up with sound effects or is it just kind of a pain in the ass? So coming up with the swear words was one of my favorite things because mm-hmm. with foul mouth, like I said before, the more animated she gets, the more creative her cursing tirades go, the more it comes alive on the page. Um, very similar to Green Lantern. So cursing wasn't an issue. It was trying to figure out what made sense with their cursing. And I, and I didn't want to make a comic that was just, you know, shit, fuck, poop, cock, whatever, <laughs> just 
cursing for sake yeah. of cursing. I wanted to make sure that this comic was about finding your voice and coming up with great language for the character. And also less is more. So I can't just do cursing on every page. Um, I had to really pick my moments and figure out what worked best within the story. So there's a lot of great cursing uh, scenes and a lot of great um, tirades that she goes on, but less is more. And I can't wait for everybody to check this out because I had so much fucking fun doing this. (laughs) Um, I think that kind of care and consideration you put into making everything more effective by just not going full bore with everything and just, you know, uh, just plastering everything with swear words. I, that's obviously a very, I think a very, uh, effective way to, you know, just get, get the point across of what you're trying to do is, is have this character find her own voice and be a bit more creative with it. Because again, as much as the initial ha 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 would be of this, like just all this is, tons and tons of swearing on, on the page um taking the approach of like it's going to be more impactful if i just we have it and you got to make it count and i think it's an incredibly smart way to do that and it definitely sh- uh, shines through in the book and on the page so uh you know kudos to you for having that restraint and that experience to say no it, it'll be a lot of fun but we're going to do it like this um so, all right, for my final question, and of course, there's no fucking way I cannot ask this question, is you get one swear word that will give you superpowers. What is that word, and what powers do you acquire? So, I always love the word fuck. That, it just adds to your language. It's a classic. And uh, I'm a goddammit guy. I say goddammit a lot, uh, if that even mm-hmm. counts as a curse word. But in the comic, my favorite curse that she does is she says cock'em sock'em robots and the robots <laughs> appear and beat up the bad guys so that is definitely one of my favorite scenes and it was just a blast creating these characters and these tirades and this this demon possessed superhero gets her powers from cursing so it's been a lot of fun i hope everybody checks it out thank you for having me on this this podcast and this interview um and uh, you could always find me on any social media platform at the Steve Urena, T H E S T E V E U R E N A. Have a great day. All right, Steve. Thank you so much. And there you go. You get the, the pronunciation of the last name, Steve Urena. Um, yeah, I'll be, make sure there's links in the show notes for the Kickstarter for Foulmouth and for all your socials. Uh, and Steve, and I'll definitely have to have you on for a full on episode. Uh, next time uh, we, we can get everything together but thank you for taking the time to answer these questions and yeah so everyone go check out these two amazing kickstarters i just uh had q a's with creators on um you're you're not gonna be disappointed at all obviously you hear how much passion and uh, thoughtfulness these guys put into their books and they look great they read great and i can't wait to read them myself and i really hope you uh join us along for the ride so again check out the links in the show notes and um, let's get on with the rest of this episode. All right. So now that I have those Q&As out there for everybody to go check out those Kickstarters, I want to take a little bit of time and talk about the latest Even the Housings Kickstarter, my, you know, our experience kind of with that. And also, you know, there was a bit of a brouhaha about some Kickstarter stuff on Twitter uh, the past few days and kind of want to touch touch a little bit on that and and that little controversy and, and things like that 
But so if you're not interested in hearing my thoughts on any of this stuff, I don't blame you. <laughs> it's fine. Turn out the podcast. Go check out those Kickstarters uh, that we mentioned at the beginning of the show. You 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 uh, you won't you won't be uh, disappointed by checking those out. So, but if you're gonna hang with me, I appreciate it. So uh, let me get right to it. So the Evian Housings issue two Kickstarter uh, we funded we ended at exactly eleven thousand dollars in the last seconds. Uh, we had a last minute uh, commission tier backer toss in a little bit extra juice in there to get us at exactly eleven thousand dollars so now we also hit the stretch goal where i will be doing the finishing off the second evie in the helsing song entitled face it um so that'll be provided to the backers soon so yeah i'm, I'm super appreciative of them doing that <laughs> it was very much skin of the teeth i was pretty much resigned to like okay we didn't we didn't get the kickstarter uh stretch goal for the song but you know we were already funded after 7k and that's all I really hope for uh, in these past two issues. Obviously, with the first issue in January uh, through February, we you know we hit 15k plus, and that was an amazing, amazing experience. And but we always just hope—at least I always just hope—to fund because I just want to get the book done to people and out to people. Anything after that, it's all bonus. It's all extra, uh, extra good stuff because that just means more people are getting the book, and you know we're we're spreading more of the word. Um, with the differences in the Kickstarters, well, the first issue, everything was done. <laughs> everything was done before we hit launch, and with this one, I'm still working on some of the inks. Uh, I essentially uh, I did two issues of Spend the Night in between these two Kickstarters. And I didn't get as far much done with EV2 as I wanted to before I had to start the next issue of Spend the Night. So it all turned out for the best because we ended up saying, hey, we can do some cameo tiers now because I haven't drawn those pages. So we have a couple cameo tiers where some uh, backers are now going to be some vampires. Um, not to spoil anything, but you know they're going to show up and uh, give EV a hard time. And so that's been fun to do. I'm working on that. I'm hoping to have the inks done with that within the next seven to ten days. Uh, I'm sending them as I finish them, so Jason and Steve are getting them colored and lettered as we go. Uh, and hopefully, by the time the Kickstarter funds hit Steve, <laughs> um, we'll be you know we'll, the book will be ready. We can send it right to print and get everything going, so there won't be any actual extra time taken for everything. But that's on me to get it done, and I'm definitely. I'll bust my ass to do that. Um, I'm really, really happy with the work. I think it's you know my best stuff, um, which is always good to feel when it's your latest stuff, right? Uh, I'm yeah, I'm just really, really happy with how everything's turning out. Uh, I can't wait for people to read this book. And you know, Steve and I are just so stoked about issue three. We just got done, you know, trading off our covers for that. Um, Steve's all done. You know, Steve's you know <laughs> Steve's well ahead of me in the cover game. Um, so his covers for the issue three are going to be really, really cool. And, uh, I just, you know, share with him my idea for the cover for my cover for issue three. And he loves that. So I'm really excited to get that done and share it to everybody. Hopefully I'll have that done in time to be part of the issue two back matter and all that. So, yeah. But again, you know, the, the issue two Kickstarter is, you know, I hope to just to fun and the fact that we got up to 11 K on the second one. 
from 15 plus K on the first one, I think that's pretty damn awesome. You know, uh, I always expect, I don't think it's uh, unreasonable to expect a dip with a second issue Kickstarter. I mean, you know, I've heard enough retailers talk about published books, big published books, having a huge dip with the second issue. So the fact that we're even just able to comfortably fund very quickly the second issue is just amazing to me. So it really lets us know that people are enjoying the book. People are coming back. And, uh, you know, I don't know what to expect for a third Kickstarter because we're working hard towards that. Hopefully beginning of next year we'll return. Uh, It's entirely up to me uh, to make sure I have enough of the book done, if not the whole book done itself, so we can go because we would prefer to have it all done before we do the Kickstarter. But I think you all know kind of how life goes sometimes. So, you know, that's that's that end of it. But yeah, we're really, really excited to get the book to everybody. It was very interesting seeing the stats of everything. I wasn't, uh, uh, when we did the first Kickstarter, Steve didn't know he could put me down like as a collaborator on there. So I couldn't see the messages. I couldn't see the, uh, the stats of everything. Uh, he would send me screenshots, of course, but, um, you know, I couldn't like just go in and check and obsess over them. Like I liked it. <laughs> and with this one, I was able to, I was able to check in multiple times a day. And it was really interesting to see the, like we came out the gate just going and we funded fast. We got up really fast. And then it was a pretty long crawl <laughs> to the rest. And usually, you know, campaigns have a huge spike at the end of the, at the first day or at the end of the, I'm sorry, on the last day or kind of leading up to the last day. And ours, we definitely had a spike, but it wasn't like extreme or anything like that. So it was really interesting to kind of see like, okay, everyone who wanted to back the book, who was excited to back the book off the bat did. <laughs> and then throughout the campaign, it was just like just picking up a few here, a few there, you know, and then you deal with the cancellations or the adjustments or whatever. And that's, you know, that, that's part of the game. That's part of the Kickstarter game. And, you know, you, you uh, try not to beat yourself up about it. Like, oh, they don't want our book anymore. It's like, oh no, stuff happens, you know. <laughs> People change their minds. And, there were actually a couple where they uh, ended up canceling like pretty much halfway through the campaign. I was like, oh, that's a bummer. And then like towards the end, they came back on with a bigger tier. It's like, oh, well, <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's important not to beat yourself up about those types of things. Um, I understand we're very lucky and I'm very lucky to be partnered with Steve, who has such a great base of people with his Kickstarters. He's, you know, he's a Kickstarter OG. He's been doing this since you had to really explain to people what the what the fuck a Kickstarter was, you know? So he's literally been doing it for over 10 years. He's got it down. He knows what he's doing. So I, and he's, he's built up that consistency with everything. So I realize how lucky I am to have a partner like that, you know, and the, on the, even just on the business side of this, uh, to kind of um, give us that runway <laughs> to, to get the book uh, and have people excited about the book. So, yeah, that's just kind of my uh, mini postmortem, I guess, on the EV2 uh, Kickstarter. Uh, again, I'm really excited to get the book done and out to people. Um, it's a lot of fun. Definitely a lot of a uh, lot more action in this book, uh, and uh, I'm hoping that people are, are really going to dig it. Um, 
Yeah, because Steve and I were, were putting everything we got into this. And the, the third issue we're really excited for because it's definitely going to be a big, uh, a big feelings issue. <laughs> I, and while there definitely be some uh, some uh, vampire uh, action, it's it's really going to delve into the the drama and kind of the uh, you know I, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to say too much, but yeah. It, so I'm just excited to get, get going. Again, I'm rambling, but. I'm just excited and I wanted to kind of share this with everybody. So, uh, even the House Things 2 Kickstarter, thank you all for backed it, shared it, did whatever to help spread the word. Could not have done it without anybody uh, doing any of that. So, you know, thank you very so much. And thank you very so much. What is that, Don? Thank everybody so much. And, you know, I promise that we're going to, we're going to whole ass everything we got. So, uh, whatever you get from us is our best. We could possibly do so i hope uh, i hope it all comes through and i hope everyone digs it so there's that all right so as i mentioned earlier there was a starter discourse i guess we'll call it um i'm i'm not gonna beat around the bush on it but you know there was a kickstarter for a book called sparrow by a very talented uh, up-and-coming artist named kara Husset, who you know, um, she failed to deliver on the physical end of the rewards for the Kickstarter. Um, I was a backer. I'm pretty sure that's how I came across Kara's work by people sharing the Kickstarter and all that. And since then, we've been uh, mutuals, as they call it, online. Uh, and you know, seeing her growth as an artist over the past couple years has been really, really amazing. But you know, I also know that you know she's had a lot of personal life turmoil happening and you know i was a backer to the book i was a uh, digital backer so i got the pdf and i read the book i enjoyed it and i just put it off my mind and then um sometime last week a comic book shop named pulp 716 coffee and comics decided to screenshot her profile uh and misgender her because her profile clearly has her pronouns as she her but you know called her they this person uh as opposed to just you know using her fucking name <laughs> or her fucking pronouns that she clearly has on her profile uh and them out on not delivering the kickstarter and you know their story was they invested about a hundred bucks at, at the retailer tier for physical copies of the book they never received them and over the course of uh however time long time it's been book, i think it's just over a year or two that they uh they never the pulp never got their copies and people never got their copies and uh, a discussion was starting from that and within those discussions from people pulp said that they have uh, i believe a private investigator or someone trying to open a criminal case against about this and i think uh, me, like many other people, were like, oh, what the fuck? Um, listen, first and foremost, when I back a Kickstarter, I, I, I expect my rewards to be fulfilled if it funds. That said, I'm not a fucking ghoul. If there's a legitimate reason why a scope of things change, why something doesn't get delivered, you know, I would do my best to understand would I be happy? No. You know, I, I, I can be upset by not getting the thing I intend I was intending to get. 
Um, and I am in no way, shape, or form saying that you know Kara does not have any fault here for not delivering on the physical rewards. But again, I'm not a fucking ghoul. I have empathy. And while Kara has admitted her communication about things uh, was not good, she did give some updates. And, you know, she had a lot of, basically, uh, a lot of life happen. You know, moving states, uh, being threatened with homelessness. You know, she has a family, she has kids, uh, a spouse. And it's like, there's a lot there. You know, and also she's, you know, she admitted she's very young. Everything was just got a bit overwhelming. And I can understand I can understand that. I can be empathetic towards that for sure. It's not great, but I can understand that. And, you know, some of that was communicated with her project updates as I've seen them because I was a backer of the book. Um, I, you know, there was, there could have been more again, when your life has so much shit going on, (laughs) it's hard to feel like what's the right thing to do, especially when you're, you know, a very young creator just coming into this and things just spiral so fast. I understand about things spiraling fast. I get it. Um, so, you know, to me, it's not about like, what didn't, you know, what, let's not beat her up about what she could have done. What can we do now? But the fact that, you know, the vitriol from this comic shop and the people supporting this comic shop this is fucking ridiculous, especially based on the immense amount of Kickstarters who have not fulfilled, you know, other Kickstarters who have not fulfilled their promises and, you know, much larger Kickstarters from established creators not doing what the fuck they say they're going to do and signaling out this young, uh, who identifies as she, her is trans. It just, it, and then misgendering her in your post it's 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 a super bad fucking look and then from not only just doing that you know they they could have walked it back and said listen we were just very upset about this uh you know no one likes being you know burned on money i get it but they just doubled down and when people were calling them out about the you know, the wording of their posts and the fact they're trying to open up a criminal investigation and showing them like, listen, you have to check a box on Kickstarter that says it's not guaranteed. It's not great. You should not, you know, have, you know, even though the box you have to check, you know, I think any reasonable person would say, yeah, but you should still expect to get your things. Um, and, you know, and no one is saying no one should be upset that they didn't. And no one is, is saying, uh, you know, Kara is absolved of anything, but just like, there's ways to do things. There's ways to call attention to things. And they've just, they've chose like the most hurtful ways, the most, uh, unnecessarily transphobic ways, transphobic ways of, of doing these things. And it's fucking mind boggling, man. Um, I, I don't get it. And then when, you know, these, other creators who are, you know, nine non-binary and trans themselves are, you know, pointing out the, you know, kind of shittiness of their, their wording on the post and the misgendering. What do they do? They get blocked and then they get highlighted from that comic shop as saying that, you know, pointing out what companies these creators said they worked for, and maybe they'll have to rethink their ordering processes for those 
companies. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I mean, and this is a shop that was like all about saying they're inclusive and, and, you know, welcoming and, and all these things. And it's like, you're singling out all these people because I, I sure as fucking know that there were straight white dudes saying the same things, calling out the same things. Their names weren't mentioned. What the fuck happened there? So, uh, you know, long story short with the Pulp thing, they ended up deleting their account or deactivating it, I should say. And, um, though I, I really wish I could have, they're going to come back and say, listen, we fucked up. Yes, we're unhappy. Yes, it's not cool. We didn't get our books, but we handled it poorly. Let's try to let's try to fix things and move on from here. I'm sure this can try to come. You know, they're they're going to be gone for a week and come back like nothing fucking happened. Um, so that's that's not great, especially since you know I was you know I was a fan of this shop you know on social media because they seem to be you know not only just inclusive they're called coffee you know pulp 716 coffee and comics i wanted to have them on the show i was getting ready to contact them to come onto the show because i thought that's you know shopping coffee at a coffee shop i mean it's a great fucking idea um that, that was the last fucking great idea they had because uh <laughs> the, uh their ideas for posting not great um and then on the on the Kara side of things you know friend of the show bud uh, an all-around amazing writer and creator himself, uh, Jared Luan, contacted Kara. This is all public. This is all... I'm not privy to any special information. Um, you know, he contacted her, and they actually were, are figuring out a way, and, and uh, will be, you know, from the last I saw, intent on delivering these physical rewards and printing everything. And, you know, I understand Kara's point of view of just getting overwhelmed and then you kind of have to deal with life and you kind of have to like, you know, move forward with things. Um, and again, you know, it's, it's all public. It's all there. You know, Kara's admitted her, her mistakes on it. And, you know, she's a very talented creator and I, I have no doubt that she's going to do everything she can do to make things right and move forward because, uh, you know, she, she is to me, she, she's, that's, that's the type of person she seems to be. So she made her mistakes. She, she got help from somebody who, and again, applause to Jared because he's such a positive force in the community, uh, such a great guy. And, you know, he saw someone he could help lift up and get, get, get on track. And he's doing that. So, uh, I have no doubts that they're going to do everything they can to, uh, satisfy what, you know, as much as they can with the, uh, people who are expecting the physical rewards and yeah, but for me, this opens up the larger conversation, you know, you know, bad actors on Kickstarter and being someone who has, you know, now has their second book funded on Kickstarter and is hoping to do a whole bunch more, you know, I obviously have an opinion on this and I never, ever want to fail on delivering rewards but I'm in a privileged position. You know, I, I, you know, I draw Evie and if Evie doesn't get funded, my family still has a roof over the head. My family still eats, you know, and as nice as it would be to say, 
oh, don't do a Kickstarter unless you got the book done. For some people, they don't really have that choice. Maybe the idea, knowing they have the support of getting a smaller book funded, means they're going to have rent for a couple months. I get it. I get it. And that's a, such a huge amount of pressure to put on something that's already so much pressure. And yeah, it's, it's, it's just kind of ridiculous. And if we're going to be going, you know, and I'm not defending the fact that someone did not fulfill their obligations at all. No, you should, you should, you should do what you can to fulfill everything or at the very least be extremely communicative and, and clear with everything. Um, you know, the door swings both ways, you know, there's risks on both ends. Um, you know, I don't know if people who back Kickstarters know that sometimes people who back a Kickstarter and you, you, you just cross, cross that funding mark and then percent of the people's don't go through. You don't get those, you don't get that money. Maybe a few people like, Oh, that's my old card. I'll fix it or whatever. But then other people just don't respond. So all of a sudden you're out a decent percentage of your funding amount and that's what you needed to get the book done. So now you have to find that money somewhere else or people who like you're, you know, crossing a, a threshold of some kind with, with your pledges and then people cancel at the last minute and that sends it pummeling down. And you know, what do you do there? And it sucks. Um, and you know, someone on the back end of it, I don't hold any grudges about that. I understand. Hey, you cancel at the last minute. Things happen. Like, you know, you get the notification. It's the last day. And like, oh shit, I don't have this money for this. I get it. Fine. You know, the, you know, people's payments not going through. It's part of the game. It's part, it's part of what it is. But like I said, that door swings both ways, you know, and sometimes you pay for a thing and it doesn't come out the way you want. And not saying you should be happy about it. Not say not not saying you should, you know, accept that as a norm, but you know, these are also people. These are people behind campaigns. It's not a company. You know, Kickstarter is not a company of artists. These are individual people who you know got the same shit going on you do, and they have life happen to them, and it, it can get real fucking rough. So to you know have a witch hunt sent after a person for from a comic shop for a hundred dollar loss when you know they've probably taken that opportunity to at the very least get a better answer on things or maybe kick in the ass in the right way to seek out some help and get some stuff done but instead they went full out attack and i can tell you it's, that's never the right thing you know uh, lifting up is always so much better than punching down and you will never succeed doing, doing that. If all you do is punch down and you want to attack and you want to do that, you're just going to fucking stagnate and die. And, you know, as much as I wish to think that, uh, this comic shop's gonna, you know, rise from the ashes and make things right and, and steer their course. I, I've seen no indication to, to feel that way. And, you know, it sucks. It really does. But you know what? At the very least, the person they're trying to attack, she's doing what she can to make it right. So, you know, Pope said one six. I hope you're fucking paying attention because she's doing what she's got to do to make it right. Now it's your turn.
All right. So that's, that's enough of my ranting and raving. Um, you know, I, I'm not here to, uh, say that, you know, I wish 716 ill will or people who supported it. Oh, so you, I, you know what? There is something else got to rant about. Every one of you who like was in the comments saying like, well, I fulfill my Kickstarters. Here's my Kickstarter. I fulfill like you're a, you, you fucking suck. All right. It's one thing to comment like, oh man, that sucks. I always do my best to do this. It's another thing to like literally say, I'll send you my book. What the fuck? That, that's just, that's just such, that's just such like bullshit behavior. <laughs> you know, it, it is really, you know, people who would like just stab each other in the back to move one rung up an imaginary fucking ladder you made in your head. That's all that is. And all that did to me was look at you and memorize your name and say, I want nothing to fucking ever do with you. So, you know, I hope it was worth it, man. I hope it was worth it. So anyway, okay. Now my rant's, my rant's done. Um, no one's going to listen to this. That's fine. I don't care. <laughs> I got it out. Um, so, you know, ultimately be empathetic, lift each other up, try to be good people. Cause I've, I've tried it both ways. That way is definitely the best. <laughs> uh, so, you know, Jared, kudos to Kara doing what they got to do to make things right. I hope that happens for everybody else involved, but we'll tell with that, I guess. All right. Now I'm done. Now thank you for listening to my rant. End of show. I'm going to go drink some fucking water or something because clearly I need to. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next time. And hopefully I'll be in a much better fucking mood. <laughs> and if not, uh, hopefully whatever my, my ranting and raving will be, it will be at the very least entertaining for some of you. All right, I'm done. All right. Have a good one, everybody.